Hi, I'm Cami Welch, president of the Arvada Chamber of Commerce. Welcome to the What's Important Now podcast. In this podcast, we talk to business and community leaders about the critical issues and topics you need to know to help your business thrive. I am so excited about today's podcast. We have Aaron Clark, founder and CEO of Justice Reskill with us today. Welcome, Aaron. Hi, Cami. Thank you so much for having me this morning. Glad to have you. Let's start with you just telling us a little bit about yourself and the amazing work you're doing at Justice Resale. Thank you, Cami. Yes, my name is Aaron and I am a recent transplant here to Colorado. I'm one of those folks that uh, were lured here by the wonderful outdoors and our, our community we have. Um, I have a background. I come from the technical industry. I was a freelance software developer for a whole lot of years. Um, I was a good developer, not a great developer. Uh, but I was always interested in advancing uh, equity in the technical space uh, and I did a number of things to, to try and take to try and actually tackle that mission. Um, and a few years ago, I started noticing uh, what is the problem that Justice Reskill is solving, which is the folks that are coming out of our uh, systems of incarceration here in America, jails and prisons, don't have access to opportunities that can actually lead towards a sustainable path and future for themselves and their families. And so we founded Justice Reskill, launched officially last year, and we're a social enterprise, which means we do both nonprofit type work, and we also have some for-profit um, uh, work that we do underneath our umbrella. And we're equipping justice-involved individuals with skills, technical uh, skills, resources, and connections um, that they need to achieve a lasting career in tech and, and uh, related high-wage industries. And so we've built an online learning platform similar to what folks see in a coding boot camp. Uh, we also built a cohort style program, apprentice programs, and then job placements to get folks from justice involvement in their lives uh, into a fulfilling and prosperous career in tech. It's awesome. And I know you and I got to talk a couple of weeks ago and I was so excited about the work you guys are doing as, as many of our people listening know, we love workforce at the Arvada Chamber. We're all about making our talent pipeline better and really aligning demand for employers with those that are seeking employment. And so we recognize this as a critical piece of that puzzle is how we have these conversations. And on your website, you guys note that among the 70 million formerly incarcerated folks in the U.S., about 27% of those are unemployed employed. Help me understand why is that unemployment number so high? Well, that was a pre-COVID number for unemployment in formerly incarcerated folks. And if you'll remember at the height of COVID, the exact number 27% is when we all realized that we had a major problem and had to act. But the reason why there's a, a high unemployment rate for formerly incarcerated folks um, largely is around stigma of uh, people don't really understand incarceration, how folks are incarcerated in America and some of the times that that should or shouldn't happen, and then how to effectively act to get folks back on a path towards a career. And so what tends to happen is that people that are coming out of jail and prisons, they just don't have a lot of opportunities to really provide for themselves and their families. And so they end up uh, going through a cycle of recidivism and having a really difficult time to find and keep a sustainable career. And so we see that unemployment rate consistently uh, increasing. And you'll notice um, some of the intersectionality of uh, uh, underrepresented folks like being a black or brown person in America, it then becomes much more difficult to find and land a job. And so that number that we quote is 27%. I believe it's actually much higher and it's something that we have to tackle here in America. 
No, it's, it's really a big deal. I mean, we need to have these conversations and I appreciate your passion and understanding of it. And thank you for sharing that with us today. Talk to me a little bit more about some of those barriers to employment and what are some of those systemic changes that could happen that would support lowering that unemployment rate? Yeah, the two main ones that we consistently talk with employers about, the first one is very obvious. It's the stigma and discrimination. Um, If we don't understand who the humans are that are impacted by the criminal justice system, we will tend to discriminate or have a bias against folks. And so we first of all need to work more at helping and getting employers and individuals in our communities to understand the criminal justice system and understand that the humans that are impacted by it are just that humans. And the second piece is education. You know, we talk to a lot of employers in Colorado and across other states. And one of the things that we notice is that employers simply don't know how they can effectively create a path for employment for folks that are formerly incarcerated. And so those are the two main barriers that we see on the hiring side. Uh, If you expand that out to just folks that are formerly incarcerated, there there are many barriers. And I would say those are largely barriers like access, discrimination, racism, those sort of things. And so the systemic changes that we have to implement in a state like Colorado is exactly what you mentioned, Cammie, which is workforce. Uh, our employers have to do more towards hiring people that are formerly incarcerated while our legislators push to make it easier for folks to get into different types of careers so we can get folks back to work. Those are great points. And I know we've seen some movement on the systemic front in Colorado in recent years with legislation, but I know there's a lot more work to be done. So if I'm an employer and I'm like, I believe in this, let's have this conversation. I want to help. What role should employers be playing and what can they be doing right now to help drive that systemic change around hiring? Employers play a huge role in this, uh, especially our medium-sized employers, small and medium-sized employers, because those are the folks that uh, tend to work with their employees as humans. You know, they get involved with families. They do things that really take into consideration who a person is while working at their their place of business. And so employers first can get involved by connecting with other employers and organizations like ours that are pushing and advocating fair chance hiring in the state of Colorado. And by doing that, we can provide the education, the resources, the proximity, even the talent pipeline to help folks uh, hire folks so they're formerly incarcerated here in our state. And then the other side of that is employers can assist and help us to push for more legislation um, to help folks become uh, to come be to become hired. Uh, one of the things that we are looking for is ways that we can help incentivize and help uh, fund employers training that are trying to bring on people that are formerly incarcerated. And so the more people that kind of join, uh, and I call it our movement around fair chance hiring, uh, the, the more likely we are to get get this pushed uh, up and down the state. I love that. And I would prompt that encouragement with, we have a survey at arvadachamber.org. It's called the Workforce Engagement Survey. You can easily check the box in that survey to work with um, organizations like Aaron's that offer fair chance hiring. So we encourage all of our employers to sign up for that survey so we can connect the dots for you in that front, because it is a really critical piece of the hiring puzzle right now. Aaron, as we wrap up, what else do we need to know? Tell us any other information, facts that you think our audience needs to know about what you're working on right now. Yeah, definitely. I will say that uh, I found a a statistic the other day that's really important, which is 30% of folks here in Colorado have a criminal record, 30%. And I would love if people would move towards things like fair chance hiring 
from a completely moral perspective. And so those of you that understand that this is a human thing, appreciate your work. But I understand that many people move because of need and business. And if you will look at a lot of the things that economists like Jeffrey Korzenik from Fifth Third Bank, uh, even Jamie Dimon and those sort of folks are speaking to, if you look past this COVID recovery stimulus that is happening, our workforce needs to look at the, the decline um, in talent that is happening. And hiring folks that are formerly incarcerated may be the best chance that some employers have towards really tapping into f- to folks that can be hired at their company. Because um, as we're seeing every single day, there are many people that are trying to hire and it's become more difficult to fill these roles. And I think that working with people that are formerly incarcerated could possibly be the best thing an employer could do to make sure that they can weather any sort of economic change in our country. Such good feedback. And I will affirm that that is the truth. We just circulated a business pulse survey and of the 50 businesses that responded, there were well over 200 open jobs that we saw in our community. So there is a demand right now. And I think there's this opportunity for employers to engage in a new and expanded way in their thinking and opportunities they offer. So we can't thank you enough for your time today as well as the work that you're doing to serve all of our communities in this region. You are awesome and we appreciate the time. And thank you to everybody that tuned in for another episode of What's Important Now. Thank you, Cammie.